three, two, one. All right. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Outside the Box Model. I'm your host, Ethan. And today we have a spectacular, spectacular guest. He's written two books, published many open source content, worked at top companies as a software engineer. Now is building his own venture at T-League, a password management for everyone, and still has time to play piano. We're glad to have you. Jacob's Hats, thanks for coming out. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Um, and as everyone knows, this is the first episode. Um, my idea was to basically kind of humanize the side of software engineers. We're often just diving into the code and what we've accomplished, but I'd like to learn more about the people behind the code and explore that a little bit more. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it will open um, everyone up to a world where we can really be inspired by each other. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So my first question for you is what inspires your Twitter profile photos? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like um, I, I can never I can't stand just putting like a regular picture of myself. It just annoys it annoys the crap out of me. I always need to do something weird. Um, there was the one with the screaming lady, which was uh, from a commercial. It's actually a fake commercial. It's not a real commercial. It's um, somebody made a fake Nutrigrain commercial in 2006. And I remember it from college. And uh, and this, this woman uh, is screaming. And I thought it was so amazing how she could uh, <laughs> scream like that. So I, I took that picture. Um, and then the one that I currently have, this is this is a really, really weird story. I <laughs> lived in Israel for a couple of years wow. um, my, while my wife I love did. Israel. Yeah, Israel's, Israel, yeah. Israel. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife did her medical degree in Israel, and so we, I lived there with her. And while I was there, I, by off chance, auditioned for a play of guys and dolls and somehow i got the starring role <laughs> wow in guys and dolls because i so my degree is in music and i had a voice in minor a minor in voice okay. and so technically i can sing so because i did all the choir stuff I think you might have to sing our outro then. there's no way i'm doing that but um <laughs> so i so i did a bunch of uh you know i i did a lot of playing piano for plays and i did a bunch of yeah. um stuff like that and so i was i played sky masterson touring israel uh in guys and dolls is the lead in this thing and so that the picture that i have on there right now is me in guys and dolls touring israel and so we got to play in like the jerusalem theater which is like two thousand people um so it turned out to be kind of a big deal um so it was it was really really fun i haven't done any plays since yeah i was gonna Um, ask where's your career gone (laughs) right 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 well i mean yeah (laughs) but you know it's the funniest thing when i was in music school um, I had a deg- this degree in piano and I did piano performance. I performed all these really amazing pieces. Um, but I, anytime I would go for a gig, everybody always wanted me as a singer, um, because I have a really wow. low voice. And, mm. um, so every, and I would sing, you know, it's not like I was singing like, um, Bach chorales or anything that I always got these gigs singing these really weird 20th century, like off pieces you know, where it's and like foreign languages and stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it yeah. was like where like this is the rain and then you'd have to go like 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 weird, Whoa. weird. Yeah, <laughs> really weird. 20th Did century music. Did you just music. make that one up? Because that sounds no, like what you had to do. That was one of the pieces was called The Rain. And it was this composer that lived in the area. And he just like hired a bunch of 
choir people because uh, I did like one of the choirs in music school and um, I sung in a, we got to sing with the Philadelphia Orchestra and everything. I mean, it was it was really incredible. It was, um, wow. it was kind of fun. I love doing that. So right now what I do is um, like I try and learn a bunch of piano stuff and then I'll do like a concert every year. At least I try to. I haven't done one this year because I've been really busy. Um, yeah. So we'll I try and that. <laughs> perform like a, uh, like a classical concert every year or something like that. That's really neat for all your friends and like family or something. Yeah, like I'll like I'll go call like a church and I'll say like, hey, would you, would you like to have like a free classical concert? And then you could take donations and, you know, oh, wow. to keep the donations or whatever it is. Because um, I just I like I want to keep my chops up, you know, because yeah. I played piano well, for a really long time. I see what you're posting. I'm very impressed. I tried to teach myself piano for two weeks. Yeah. And I, and I learned uh, one song, but it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough instrument. It is. It's, it is, um, the harp is supposed to be the hardest instrument. And I think piano is, you know, violinists will tell you you're just pressing buttons when you're playing piano. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I think the, the piano is a, it's a really, cause you know, you got to do two things at once and you know, you got the pedals and everything, but, um, that's the only reason I can cool. do it is because I've been playing for a really long time, you know? Awesome. Well, that actually kind of segues, you were kind of telling your experience about Israel, but, uh, kind of basing on or building on the theme that we're humanizing you i kind of or the industry really um i kind of want to hear about your early childhood and kind of how that influenced you to where you are now because i think those origin stories kind of really tell how we got here and you know who we are and things like that and you can dive into you know if you were encouraged programming early on or just music or mm-hmm. whatever yeah. you want it's an interesting thing because I did not program for a really long time, way until like college. I took a pro uh, like a programming course. It was like an intro to like HTML, and then from there I got like kickstarted. But I always loved computers, mm-hmm. like as a kid. Um, but I I think there's like a correlation to people who do music. So, okay. um, you know, if you study music, then you like kind of learn a language. Um, I think programming is much, much, people think I'm nuts when I say this, but I think programming is much easier than piano. Piano is um, like a skill that you have to keep up. And programming is too, but like the cool thing is once you write it, you have it forever. Um, mm. As long as, you know, a system exists to-, to As long as to, you got version control. Right, as long as you got version <laughs> control and all that sort, sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so like as a kid, I loved computers and all that stuff. And I think I tried to read a couple of programming books, but it wasn't that uh, easy um, because especially at the time that I started, I got really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, the time that I started programming and like that, I just kind of like winged it. And I didn't, I don't have a degree in computer science or anything like that. Okay. But um, when I finally started learning it, when I was in Israel and I had all this time, I decided, oh, I'm just going to read a bunch of books on programming. And so I just read a bunch of books on programming because at the time there wasn't like a whole lot of, there was content online but it's not like what it is now where there's like mm. tons of videos and all that stuff you had yeah. to you had to do a lot of reading uh and stack overflow was like kind of newish um but then when i just like i applied to places people were you know there wasn't like now it's a huge explosion of programs it was not like that when i started applying to stuff so i think i got really lucky that people gave me a chance really early on um so i got to do crazy crazy things that I probably was not qualified to do 
uh, at a, in very early in my uh, programming career, like I was mm. like the first job I had, I was put in charge of a huge billing system. Like I had to build a huge billing system for a major corporation, wow. <laughs> which was like, you know, <laughs> you know, not the thing that you usually put a junior programmer yeah. in charge of, but I think that, uh, I was given like lots of really cool opportunities early on. So, um, you mentioned and, some books were, do you remember any of those books? Are they still popular? Something oh, no. that could help help people? Are they just so dated at this point? Or yeah, no, I think that, now. Well, it's interesting because the books that I read, um, like now, because programming was also a lot harder back then. Because like you had jQuery, um, mm -hmm. but jQuery was the thing. Like J, there yeah. was no like view, there was no like React. You were yeah. doing a lot of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, like yeah. core core JavaScript. You had to know JavaScript really well. Um, and knowing jQuery got you to certain places, but it didn't always get you like the job that you wanted. So I got to learn like, and also we did a lot of flash and flash is also <laughs> ECMA, like flash has action script and action script is actually an ECMA script language. Uh, mm -hmm. it's actually close. It's really close. It's well, I'm going to get killed on this, but it's similar to TypeScript <laughs> because it is a typed, uh, ECMA script type language. Um, I think I could be right about that. Um, but yeah, so we'll find all, out in the fact checks, right? The books that I read were like, I read a book when the people were just discovering like Ajax as like a thing. Right. Um, and so I read a book on like what Ajax was and you were doing Ajax, like with internet Explorer six, you know, mm. it was, it was actually pretty tricky because you had to write this crazy JavaScript that had to be cross browser and all that stuff. And then jQuery came out and they were like, Hey, we can just, you know, we just have this Ajax function, which does everything for you. Um, but like the books I read early on were like, this is how, this is like why we do Ajax and you can update the page and, you know, before you had to go to a new page, but now you could just yeah. update the page, you know, nowhere near the single page applications that we have today. Um, so, you know, that stuff is really long gone, but I do always tell people when I'm interviewing candidates or, you know, not, I don't tell the candidates I'm interviewing, but I tell people who want to be interviewed that like just core JavaScript is such like an important skill, you know, mm -hmm learning view and learning react is great and everything. Um, but they all are based off of like this core JavaScript mm -hmm. framework. You know, I hear people in the react community say it's just JavaScript and that's like fantastic. It's great to know, like, um, um, like when I interview people, I ask them, like, how do you, uh, update the Dom in just like vanilla JavaScript? Cause a lot of people, uh, don't learn that stuff anymore, but it's like still really, really important to just know those, uh, core skills that I learned really early on. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I've, I've come to the realization that I feel like everything's basically a funnel for HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And at the end of it is the framework. Yeah. And so if you can learn those three, you're really, you're, you're off to a good start. And the other part about it is that if you can think of the web, like backend stuff as just a request and a response. You know, yeah. like when you do Express JS, when you do uh, Express with Node, um, you know, into every um, request, you get this uh, request and response and next object. And it's really cool to just like, if you want to just do build a startup from scratch, you know, Rails takes care of a lot. I mean, to say that you just need that, there's all these security vulnerabilities that you open up when you just like start coding yeah. that by yourself. But like, it's really good to think of it like as just HTML, CSS and JavaScript. And it is just like a request and a response. And there mm -hmm. is just a content type and you can provide these headers and you could do a lot 
like just knowing that and you can code really quickly. Um, and then you got things like Ruby on rails, which says like, okay, that's good, but there's a lot of security stuff that you got to take care of. And, um, we could probably do this even quicker. There's, you know, there's, a there's a lot of boilerplate that you're getting involved with, but I think all that stuff is really, really important to know. Um, you know, when, when you're, uh, when you're learning things, I think it's mm -hmm. just like to learn those core concepts before you jump into the views and the reacts and the Ruby on rails and stuff like that. I totally agree. And you, I think that's um, I mean, something to keep in mind for this next question. Um, you're kind of giving advice to everyone else, but have there been some significant catalysts or moments or people that kind of got you where you are today? Cause I always think that you, you really can't do it all alone. And it's so important to mention your support system and the people who have really helped you out, because I think it'll show everyone that it's important to ask for help and it's important to look for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is I got really lucky that I went to Israel because in that time I wasn't allowed to work technically um, because I didn't have the visa to work. I had a, I had a spouse of a student visa. And mm. um, so I studied like that entire time. Um, but I also like, once I learned stuff, I, I started doing like these tiny little gigs, just like this church needs a website. This synagogue needs, I did so many church and synagogue websites and they were all like <laughs> horrible. They were all just like horrendous. But the fact that those people were like, so happy to have a website and I charged like very, very little cause I wanted that experience. Um, and by the time I got to my first like real professional job, I had done like 40, 50, like personal websites for like churches. And I had gotten it down to like, you know, probably by today's standards, it would be a horrible, horrible website. Uh, I know a bunch of them are still up. They still function. And it's like, That's awesome. you know, my little, five, yeah, my little, um, like three kilobytes of internet service that I had there and no air conditioning, but it still was like, you know, it was, um, so I was really lucky that, uh, I had the time, um, to do that, um, because my wife was studying, but then like, you think back to those times when you like tried to learn stuff, um, like in the action script days and the flash days, there was uh, a site called go to and learn, which, uh, this guy, Lee Brimlow, um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I still follow him today on Twitter. Uh, it like pedagogically speaking was one of the most intelligent, um, like well taught from, from like a teaching point of view, still one of like the most well taught things. It's not up anymore. I don't even know if the videos exist and you wouldn't, you know, no one's doing flash anymore, but like that taught me programming, you know? Mm. Um, cause if you, you know, you're learning object oriented programming. And a lot of times in the videos, he'd be like, listen, I don't totally know how this thing works. Like he would teach you like augmented reality stuff. He's like, I just tried it until it worked. But, um, yeah, I learned a lot from those videos and they were free. Um, yeah. Well, I'm trying to think, like, what kind of value can we bring people um, from what what you've learned and how can we show it to them and bring it to their maybe daily lives? Yeah, I think it's. it's um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's um, I think it's just important to try to try to help as many people as we can. You said you, you found some resources online and that's very popular today, but maybe even outside of um, online resources, how have you, 
have there been like can you point out to a moment in time where things kind of clicked and like i don't know you kind of had a shift in thought and oh, yeah. like that's something you carry out through your life but also something you share with people to help them these are great questions <laughs> these are Thank awesome you. questions um you know i had like a in the beginning i had a really hard time like conceptualizing object-oriented programming and i was doing like non-object-oriented programming i don't know what you call it i call it ripcord programming because it's just like you pull the ripcord and it goes top down <laughs> yeah. um but once uh object-oriented programming clicked uh for me that was a huge thing i actually learned that through uh flash because that was what everybody was doing back then um but so yeah, so I learned object-oriented programming through like ActionScript and stuff like that, but it's, it applies everywhere. And once I got that, it just, it blew my mind. Um, and then like there were these, I, I struggled so much on these concepts. Um, people today tell me that like I'm a really fast programmer. And I think it's because I struggled so much in those early days. Like I remember the first time I wanted to get like an Nginx server up and this was like, you know, when you were FTPing things and you just really did everything through SSH, which yeah. you still do, but there's yeah. a lot of like, there's a lot of uh, abstractions over that now. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, like you can do everything through GitLab now. Um, you still write bash scripts, but um, so yeah, like when I tried to get my first Nginx server up, I remember it took me like two weeks and it shouldn't, I don't think it takes, it might take people two weeks, but I felt like it was a really long time. But when I finally got it up, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> um, so that, I think that's what I would say is that like, you know, like, and I still struggle on a daily basis. <laughs> there are things that just take me a really long time and they shouldn't, but there are things that I struggled so much with in the past that mm. now I like no longer, now I can do them really, really quickly. And I think that's the thing is to like fail a lot, to struggle a lot and like, don't be afraid to be rejected, like be rejected as much as possible, uh, fail as much as possible. Like I... Um, I went into interviews that like I should, I was not even slightly qualified for the job, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, this is like really early on. And <laughs> I just remember, cause you know, this was like before phone interviews, uh, were like a big thing. Everybody wanted in person. Everything was in person. There was no remote. And I just remember I sat there and the guy's asking me these questions. I didn't know the technology he was talking about. Forget about the, like the answer to the <laughs> question. I had no idea what technology, I didn't know the concept. I didn't like, I remember he said a, like a language and I was like, what? I never heard of that language. I didn't say that out loud. But then like, as soon as I got out of the interview, I looked up everything and I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn all these things now. Mm. Um, and then I think I, you know, I reapplied to that company and I, I got in um, to it later. But like, the, when I got rejected for that, the guy looked, had this look on his face like, you should, <laughs> you've wasted all my time today, you know? Um, and uh, when, I, when I'm interviewing people, I wanna make sure that they don't get that feeling from me because I know that everybody is mm. learning. Right. And I know that I was once there. Um, and I know that like, if you fail a lot, if you like, if you really just, you know, put yourself in situations where you um, have an opportunity to fail, like don't give yourself the easy thing that you can do, like go shoot for that really hard thing that people say you shouldn't be doing, you know, that's what they say about uh, YouTube. Like, if you make a YouTube channel and people give you nice comments, do it until people give you like bad comments. Be do it until people are giving you comments where they're like, yeah. "You shouldn't be doing this," and it's like, "No, now you're uh, <laughs> now you've made it. Now, now you've you made know. it. Yeah, because uh, 
like no comments, it means that people just don't care. But yeah. when pe you people give you like angry comments, it means that mm. they care, you know, which yeah. means you're doing something right. Um, and then you can take that feedback. But that's what I would say to people is just like, uh, you know, I definitely failed a lot. Yeah. Um, so when you're when you're in the midst of failing, it can be really frustrating. Do you have any like tricks that you've taught yourself to be like, take a step back or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, well, one thing, uh, Chris Fritz said this, he's like, just go to bed. <laughs> like i will i will program until like two o'clock in the morning i will oh no I, I after 11 things start getting delusional yeah and then the cool thing is is that there's this like magic that happens in the morning where you realize that you were not <laughs> with it at yeah. two o'clock in the morning and then suddenly you can solve it like instantly um uh the one of the things that was really great about the early days is that I didn't have anyone to go to. So I really read a tremendous amount of documentation. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that like going to the documentation first and just trying to grok it, you know, um, and if you don't understand a concept in the documentation, look it up, like take the long way around because I think the long way initially gets you to a short way later on. Like that, that, um, that putting that hardcore effort in initially gives you like, uh, a lot of uh, it even gives you clout later on because then when you're sitting in interviews much later and you've learned this stuff you're like oh I remember that because I remember reading that in some document I read all the documentation I'm like a nut about you read all the terms and conditions too I don't read the terms and conditions <laughs> I just blindly accept that um, I think the rest of us do too yeah I do yeah okay. that's those are really good tips um, something we can definitely keep in mind when we're frustrated is Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going to bed is key. But I think, um, you know, taking breaks and yeah. realize that, like, you're going to get it. You, you're going to solve yeah. it at some point. Um, one really interesting thing right now that I'm doing is, like, I'm building a native iPhone application. And I'm using right. this new thing called Swift UI. And Swift mm -hmm. UI is so buggy. And uh, what I notice is that when, when something's really, like, not buggy, like, view... JS is not buggy. It's like, it just works and it mm -hmm. always works. And the times that I thought there was bugs and I've gone to the view community people, yeah. it's always been that it's my fault. You know, it's always been that it's my fault. So, um, you know, work with stable things early on. Don't work with like, mm -hmm. um, things that are in Be things in beta, or things in beta, because yeah. like, it really puts doubt in your mind. <laughs> like yeah. do that later on. Um, unless you want like a huge challenge because like working with stable things, what that does is that gives you this ability to say like, it's probably my fault. It's mm -hmm. not the compiler. If you go to mm -hmm. this situation where you say it's the compiler, uh, then, then you start like, yeah. you know, trying to get help elsewhere and stuff like that, but which is fine, but it's mm -hmm. really good to figure it out on your own uh, for a while. I had, I had a guy that, um, there's the Python stack overflow chat room, which I like a lot. Those, I think those guys are the smartest guys in the world. Um, which I don't yeah. want to crowd that room now, but because uh, it's usually like the same like 10 people in there for like years, it's been like that. Um, and I've gotten like a tremendous amount of information. Like one of, I was trying to build, um, I was building like a, like an online Swift compiler. And I was trying to figure out how to not get people to enter in like things that would crash my computer. Cause I was using my Mac, my personal Mac. Yeah. I had it in the corner, port forwarding to my Mac because nothing could compile Swift at the time. It was like when Swift came out day one, I was like, I'm going to make something that can compile Swift. People will write in online and immediately was getting like 20,000 hits a day. 
like wow. right away. But um, he said to me, you can't create a blacklist. You need to create a whitelist. So in other words, you can't figure out all the thing, the bad things that people are going to input into your system. You can yeah. only say what the, the okay things are. And so like little things like that. <laughs> and the other guy said, um, I go on Stack Overflow only after eight hours of suffering myself. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's like a hard, hard and fast rule, but I do think yeah. it's a good thing to like suffer a little bit um, mm. with the problem that you're trying to solve because you like, you know, you learn more on your own. That's great. And then our third main question, um, this is a deep question. You can take some time to think about it, but it's how do you want to be remembered what kind of legacy do you want to create in the web dev community and outside of it and beyond in this world? That is, that is a heavy, that's a heavy, heavy question. Yeah. That's why I'm giving you a second. Cause I yeah. think it's worth thinking about. Yeah. Um, but I think it really, I think if you can answer that question, you can reverse engineer how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. I've thought about that a lot. Um, uh, Cause I think what a lot of people feel like is that everybody else is succeeding or, you know, you can tend to feel like everyone else is succeeding and I, here I am struggling. Mm -hmm. um, I think everybody feels like that. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's part of failing um, to, to succeed. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just keep giving it a try. I just keep, <laughs> I keep trying the next thing. And, you know, I hope that, um, you know, the stuff that I learned early on will help uh, the people that are starting now, you know, like any, the, the, the most value that I get out of um, my career is not like making a ton of money. Um, of course, everybody has to pay the bills, but I think you get much more satisfaction out of helping other people, you know, mm. like when I was at GitLab and I got to bring junior people up to be senior developers, like over mm. time and you like watch them grow and, you know, and you know that you were there once. Yeah. And that's like a freaking really powerful thing. And even if you're not like, who cares if you have an audience, right? Like who cares if mm -hmm. you have 120,000 followers on Twitter? It's not about that. Like it's, it's like, uh, like, you know, when, when someone comes to you and they say that you were the best manager that they've ever had, it's like, geez, yeah. like that's like a super, that's a super rewarding thing. Hmm. You know, I try not to focus on, um, I mean, I'm not a very good tweeter to begin with. I'm not like a very good, like person that tweets or anything like that. Like, I'm like a, I'm like a thinker. I'm like a, um, you know, I'm constantly thinking about ways to solve things and, uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I think that if I can, um, help, you know, other people in any way that I can to like, to get to their next level where I was, like, you know, to help them through the situation that I was in, um, you know, I think I had it, uh, really, really nice early on. And, uh, I hope that other people, you know, can maybe get that chance to, to, to get to the other side of it where you're like, mm -hmm. where you feel like qualified for, you know, any job out there, you know, I think that that's a, a, a really big opportunity. And I, I mean, the other thing I, I would like to figure out, like just on a personal level is like, I do always feel like programmers always want to automate things, um, you know, and we'll spend eight hours automating something that would have taken like 
one hour to actually do by hand. So, cause, cause it's the idea of automating things in the first place. And, um, I still like, it's been this like thing that I always feel like programming is just, it's still way too complicated and it should be much easier, but it's this kitchen sink problem where you, the easier you make it, the more diluted you make the options. And so like, I want to find that like perfect balance of. Like, Sounds like the perfect abstraction. The perfect abstraction. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, I've always got a startup idea about like the perfect <laughs> abstraction. It's like developer tools are my, uh, thing. That's what I love making the most. Yeah. Um, that's how I like talking to the most. And, um, you know, I'm happy to, uh, do other things, but like, you know, as a developer myself, I want to solve my own problems and I, you know, mm. um, you know, uh, but yeah, I think the, those two things, it's like, you, you want to make the, it, it, it reminds me of like when, um, I would write my mom an email and sometimes occasionally for whatever reason, she would write something on a piece of paper, fax it to her computer and then attach that attachment to the email and then send it back to me. Um, wow. and it was like the, the idea of watching, and that's a very extreme example, <laughs> but like, you know, there's plenty in the programming world where you're seeing people or you're seeing like a solution and it's just, it's too complicated. It's, mm. it's, and, and you don't necessarily know what the answer is, but maybe if you sit on it long enough, you can find, um, like a better solution. Um, so like one of the things like was that I was watching people at GitLab, like the developers were doing all these great things uh, and they knew how to use Git, but we were all supposed to be using Git to like update the handbook. And so like some of like the people ops people, you know, who their main thing is not Git, they, you know, still were trying to use Git and they were really, really struggling with it. And that's when I came up with this idea which is not like, it's not a novel idea. There was, it would already existed, but it was to bring it into GitLab was to create this web IDE where you have like an editor that's built in online. And since, um, VS code had like this library behind it called mono, I think that's what it's called. Um, we could just put mono into, mm. uh, GitLab and allow people to do code commits online. And like immediately that made the, uh, and now, um, I'm not saying that GitHub you know, took this or anything, but yeah. now GitHub just came out with a very similar feature where you can also build and, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's evolved over time. I'm looking forward to that one. It's yeah. Cool. But, um, you know, that's like an example where you watch people struggling and you can just like solve their problem. Mm -hmm. I feel so good when you can uh, know that yeah. that thing is being used. Find the problem, solve it. That's yeah. the best kind of make people Make people happy. Okay, so we, we did some deep questions. I'm gonna have some quick fun ones that I think you, you could you could answer in a couple words or sentence. Here's a here's a quick question. If you yeah. had one video game if you could be one video game character, who would it be? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> oh, you know, I used to love the Mortal Kombat games okay. uh, as a kid. And uh, my favorite character on that was Sub Zero. Cause he could shoot wow. ice and yeah, Sub-Zero is the man. Sub-Zero is amazing. That either him <laughs> or like Scorpion. Scorpion would be really cool. Not that I want to like, uh, you know, 
<laughs> kick people or anything like that, but just it was always cool <laughs> how he could like throw ice and yeah, beast. that would be amazing. I think he he was able to teleport too. I think he could bit, teleport. Right? Yeah. yeah, or you could be Shang Tsung. I think that was his name. He could turn into any other character uh, in Mortal Kombat. At least in Mortal Kombat. I think he was in Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3. I think he, no, he was also in the original one. <laughs> one, two, and three. What system were you on? As, as Super Nintendo. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm, I think I've played that once. Yeah, yeah. Super Nintendo, I always felt like Super Nintendo was the best uh, system. Nintendo is just pure fun. That's what yeah. their, their goal is. Yeah, it's incredible. Right. Here's another one. Um, what's your favorite board game or card game? Oh, you know, recently, because we're all quarantined, I started reading about card games. Because, like, I'm like, there's got to be better card games than, like, War. And I mean, poker's great. But yeah. um, you don't want to, like, teach your kid to be great at poker. I mean, you do. <laughs> you do want to teach your kid you to be do. great at poker. Because if she's going to play, she better be good, you know. But it's not, like, something that you want to, like. <laughs> anyway, you get the But um, there's yeah. a ton. Uh, there's a site called Card Games That Don't Suck. Uh, yeah. and it's like a, I think it's actually a YouTube channel, Card Games That Don't Suck, something like that. Um, there's a card game called Elusis. I think that's what it's called. Oh, it's a cool name. It's a really cool card game. And you just play it with a regular deck of 52 cards. Yeah. It's uh, amazing what you can do with 52 cards. And there's another card game called Oh Hell. Um, oh Hell is just amazing. Awesome. And then let's dive into some more tech questions. Um, you, you started a company, password management, congrats on the launch. It seems like it's going pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome platform. Very simplistic. I was just using it. It oh, seems cool. to work like a charm. Yeah. The idea um, is that you like all the password managers that exist are really complicated. Like the user interface are not great. They could be so much simpler. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of tasks that they're making you do and nobody's like, Developers are using the existing ones, but everybody else isn't. And so when I got mm. my password manager in the hands of like, uh, and I'm not saying it's for everybody. And I say everybody else or everybody, because it's like, I want everybody else to use password managers too, because it's the right thing to do. You know, yeah. we should be using password managers, but they also should be so much simpler. Here's another question. What is your favorite JavaScript tip or specification that you could tell the audience that could help improve their skills. So uh, in my early JavaScript days, this was a thing that I learned very early on. Um, and again, this is like just really super trivia thing, but yeah. if I, I dork out, I nerd out, what do you call it? Uh, nerd out. I nerd out about um, like JavaScript um, uh, specification stuff. So mm. if someone knows like the specification, like really deeply, I'm like, cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but so the question is, um, in JavaScript, in the event system, in the event, uh, system, there is, uh, E dot prevent default E being the event that you're, uh, when you, when you get a callback, mm -hmm. you get prevent default, which, um, a lot of people know about, um, mm. And then you have e.stoppropagation, um, which um, some people know about. Uh, and there's another one that like people don't usually use, but it is it does have a purpose and there's occasionally a use for it, which is uh, e.stopimmediatepropagation, um, mm. which uh, every time I say that, some people say, I've heard of that, but I never used it. 
And again, I don't judge people on this. I'm just curious if anybody's ever heard of it or they happen to know what it is. Um, uh, so yeah, there's stop. Is that the question? The question what is, is e what does e dot stop immediate <laughs> propagation do? It immediately stops the propagation. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what does stop propagation do? You know, it's it's a lazy stopping propagation. No. <laughs> explain it. Explain it to everyone. Oh, you should no. You should look it up. You got to look it up. I'm not gonna. <laughs> you, you can't explain it. Come on, explain it to everyone. It's your question. It's my question. Yeah. Well, so 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 what does stop propagation do? Uh, I'm not sure. <clears throat> Tell everyone. So stop propagation, what it does is you have event bubbling. So like mm -hmm. if you have uh, a UL, which has an LI, which has an A tag, and you have mm -hmm. events on all three of those, mm -hmm. if that A tag has an event, that event is going to bubble up the DOM tree. Mm -hmm. And so stop propagation stops the event from bubbling up. It stops it from propagating up the... Uh, up the DOM, Dom tree. tree. Also, it, in the uh, capturing and the uh, bubbling phases, it stops that. So, um, stop immediate propagation is a completely different thing, but it's similar. Um, stop immediate propagation is where if there are multiple listeners that mm -hmm. are attached to the same element mm -hmm. for the same event type. So, like if you have a bunch of A tags that mm -hmm. all have the same click event and they're all uh, firing. Yeah, and they're all firing. Um, stop, a prop, stop immediate propagation. Um, no, none of the other listeners are going to be called. So mm. yeah, that, that's what it does. So immediate is to the actual element and stop is for the DOM. Going. Stop is going to stop it from bubbling up the DOM tree. Stop immediate propagation is yeah. also going to stop it from bubbling up the DOM tree, but it's also going to stop um, all the any, other events. Yeah, any it's going to stop several listeners that are attached to the same element. So if you have one A tag, mm -hmm. and um, actually I got to look this up. I haven't looked this up in a million years. Don't look this in. <laughs> I gotta, oh I should, no! I should double check this. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what it does. Um, hold on, hold on. I'm, oh, I'm no. totally wrong about this now. I'm thinking about this. I think I'm totally wrong about this. Um, stumped you on your own question. Stumped me on my own question. Yeah. <laughs> so it's when no, several the... listeners are attached to the yeah. same element for the same event type. They're mm -hmm. called in the order they were added. So like if you mm -hmm. if you had multiple click events. Yeah on mm -hmm. one a tag mm -hmm. it's going to allow the first but none of the others are going to be called okay so you would still get like if you and i'm trying to remember what the reason was for that i did actually use it once and i can't remember what the reason was for it but uh you should just probably not put this whole thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're definitely putting in because it just shows to everyone like you can't know everything and that's yeah, why no. documentation is important. And yeah. when people ask you questions and you don't know, um, you, you should can, just ask, you can, you can try and guess because you might know and that maybe you're just not feeling confident or you could just not know. And that's totally okay. Like there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. And, and the thing is that you're not, 
you're not a document, you're not a book of documentation. Like you are not yes. an API. So you don't have yes. to memorize all those things. Just go look it yes. up. That's why um, we have the computers. That's why we have the computers in the first place. But yes. like I said, let's see what it says. Okay. If several listeners are attached to the same element for the same event type, they're called in the order in which they were added. If stop immediate propagation is invoked during one such call, no remaining listeners will be called. So that's what it does. I gotta try this well, out. Well, I think I think you owe everyone a CodePen example. <laughs> yeah, I freaking I, I I definitely owe everybody a CodePen example. Oh, sorry, I definitely owe everybody a CodePen example. Uh, because well, uh, we'll 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 release that with the with the podcast. We'll be like, and and if you were wondering, we got the CodePen example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. To learn it, that'd be awesome. I think everyone would love learning about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's just it's just one little tiny thing in JavaScript. It's not. Like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we know it isn't the deal breaker for everything, but it is no. something to learn. It's one more thing to add to the list of something you can learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should you should uh, go look it up because it's fun to explore the uh, the MDN docs. Oh, yeah, I know. The Mozilla. Uh, yeah, the MDN. Yeah, uh, Mozilla. They're very, very they're great. And yeah, it's good to also cross-reference them because sometimes <clears throat> MBM doesn't like, it's very developer oriented. So sometimes like another resource or blog explains it in a yeah. different way and that, and that clicks. And that's why it's so great to have so many people in the community sharing. And that's why we're creating things like this. So yeah, it's another way to consume. Yeah. I don't know everything. That's for sure. <laughs> if we got anything out of this podcast, it's that me and you both don't know everything yeah well if me and you both don't know what stop immediate propagation does <laughs> so that answer so that question still remains unanswered unanswered <laughs> do you know what All it right. means no do i know what it means no okay <laughs> nobody knows what it means awesome thank you so much jacob this has been a great first episode um, i'm really looking forward to sharing it with everyone and it's your turn to ask the audience a question ask the audience a question that's right so I want to know, um, what is the thing that you are most looking forward to learn learning? What is the thing that you currently don't know, but would like to know the thing that you want to learn most? Is it, is it, um, you know, event bubbling? Is it Kubernetes? Is it, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't even, I mean, is it piano? It could be anything, you know? Okay. Um, but from a technology standpoint is mainly what I'm curious about. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it.